Hi guys, welcome today to episode four of season four. We're talking about lots of different ways, like hands-on practical ideas to make all three meals and even snacks more convenient. We're talking real food done conveniently. I hope you find some ideas that inspire you in this episode. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested, because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. So if this episode rings true with my typical episodes, I'm pretty sure within 10 minutes of hitting the stop record button, I am going to think of at least two, if not 20 things that I should have included in this episode, but that's the way it goes. And sometimes I've even thought about, oh, well, I'll mention that in future episodes. And then I realized, no, it really doesn't relate to the future episodes. I should have said it in this episode. (laughs) So anyway, um, just know that I realize these episodes are far from perfect, but my hope is that even though they're not all inclusive of every idea I could possibly throw in there, I hope that there's enough in each of these episodes this season to really encourage you that real food absolutely can be convenient. And sometimes I really feel like it's even more convenient than you know, waiting at a restaurant for your meal or going to the pizza shop to pick up your pizza. I really do feel like making a homemade pizza is often faster than making that call, going to pick it up, bringing it home. So anyway, hopefully there'll be some things that inspire you in this episode that help you with every one of the meals. Also, I'll just apologize now. I've been fighting, I don't know, some sort of a cold. I have been Um, just dealing with this like cough and my voice is not its normal self. So please bear with me. Hopefully it won't be too annoying. (laughs) Um, This week around here is an extra special one for our family. We moved from our home in suburbia in Delaware eight years ago tomorrow. May 8th. I'm sorry, where did I where did I bring that out of? Sometimes the things that come out of my mouth that are not what was in my brain. May 4th. Oh, I know why I said eight, because it's eight years this week. Um, but May 4th, and I'll always remember that because it was, you know, May the 4th be with you. Can't forget that date. And I remember thinking very clearly on that day, yeah, there was a force absolutely with us leading and guiding us for almost seven years leading up to the day that we moved. So it dawned on me, it was a long process getting to where we are. And it dawned on me, this year marks longer that we've been here on our homestead than the time we were working towards getting here. So that's a really fun thing. And I try to, whenever I'm talking about what led our family to start this more simple kind of life, I try to always let people know it wasn't like click your fingers, snap your can't talk. I kid you not. It wasn't like snap your fingers and blink your eyes. And all of a sudden we were here. It was a very long process. 
And the really crazy thing is we didn't even know we were working towards living a more simple life. We just knew we were supposed to be moving north and to New England. And we had no idea the amazing things God had planned for our family. Homesteading was never a thought in my head. It's something that happened very gradually over the first probably year that we were here. Little bits at a time. Well, we first started off right away with the garden. Knew that we wanted that. But everything else that we've added on and built up to over the past eight years, it's been a long, slow process. So when you see other people living the life that you're like, oh, that's what I want to work towards, just know it's it's okay that it takes you a while to get to that goal because it takes all of us a while. <laughs> it really does. Um, so that's enough about that, I guess. But if that's something, I don't know, maybe I should do a future episode. Let me know if you guys would like to know more about our story, what brought us here, how it happened, and how we added on over time what we decided to add on to get to the point that we are now, which hey, we still have a long way to go. We are far from perfect and we are far from knowing everything. (laughs) But if that's a story that you would be interested in, um, reach out to me on Instagram or message me in some way and let me know that that's something that you'd like to hear me talk about more. Anyway, um, so before we get into the meals, we're getting there, we're almost there. I want to tell you that our sponsor for this episode is the same that it's been so far this whole season. True Leaf Market is the sponsor and I love them. Go to solelyrested.com slash seeds to um, get a link to their site and more information about the specific products that I love that they have. I have, I get seeds from them at least once, if not twice a year, every year. I buy all my sprouting seeds there. I have their fermenting springs and love them. I, it's the only way I ferment. Um, their cover crops are fantastic. I have many smart lids from them that I use for our food storage, and I love their stainless steel mason jar lids, especially for making my kombucha. So guys, there's so much there, not just seeds, but the seeds are great. So go check them out. Go to solelyrested.com slash seeds. Okay, so let's go through the meals in order. Let's start with breakfast. How can you keep breakfast simple? For me, I love because we have Well, let's see, we have six eggs a day being laid right now on the farm. Um, All five of our hens unbelievably lay every day. They're an amazing breed. And we have a duck. We had many ducks. It's a long story. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen the predator problem. Um, But we now have one duck and her mate. So we have a male and a female. And she gives us one egg a day. So we have six eggs a day. And we always have plenty. And I am always having farm fresh egg very often for breakfast or lunch. I'll usually choose one or the other. But I like to have other things with it. You know, it's really simple to fry up an egg. But what about the other things that I want to go with it? I try and keep it as simple as I can and I refrigerate or I freeze cooked sausage or bacon. And I love freezer biscuits. I shared the recipe for my freezer biscuits back in episode two of this season. But I'll also put the link in the show notes. But freezer biscuits make it so easy to have fresh biscuits anytime. So if I'm cooking the sausage or the bacon one time for the week and I make enough to last all week long, then it's really easy to just pull it out of the refrigerator. It's already cooked. It takes maybe a minute and a half to heat in the skillet. Just put some lard in my cast iron, flip it a couple times, and it's good. Then it makes a really delicious breakfast in just a few minutes. Of course, fruit is so good for breakfast. I love oranges. 
love grapefruit. Grapes are good for breakfast. And all of them, you know, it's so simple. It takes, what, 30 seconds, 45 seconds to peel it or cut it or whatever needs to be done. And it's so easy to just keep right there in a bowl on your counter. And I will sometimes add maybe some cheese and crackers even for breakfast, depending on what I'm in the mood for. Um, Dry cereal used to be all that I ever ate for breakfast. And of course, that is pretty convenient. I cannot deny it. But it's hard to find a packaged dry cereal that's not loaded with sugars and stuff that I can't pronounce. But I will tell you one cereal that I have decided I really do like. It's not the best thing you could eat for breakfast, but it is extremely convenient, relatively affordable. It is on the more expensive side for cereals, I guess. Um, and it, it's it's really good. It's really delicious. It is Quaker, um, what are they called? Oatmeal squares. I think they come in maybe three or four different flavors, but I, I don't know how many I've had. I've had two or three. And of what I've had, I, I like the brown sugar, so that's always what I go for the brown sugar flavor. Um, They have a lot of fiber. So soluble fiber is so important because that helps with digestion and your nutrient absorption, you know, and I mean, it makes you regular, which is important, right? But they also have minimal sugar content compared to most of the cereals that you can look at on the grocery store shelf. You will find that there is minimal sugar in the oatmeal squares. Um, but what I really like about them is they can be eaten without milk, which isn't really true about a whole lot of cereals, but they're really good just to snack on. It makes it so easy to just bring it along. I can leave a Ziploc bag of it in my car and I can leave some in my purse or my bag. They will get crushed if you put them in your purse for too long, but they keep just fine. You know, like they can be in the heat of the car in the summer even and they're, they're fine. So they're, they're convenient snack to have with you. And the ingredient list, even though it's not great, is definitely healthy leaning. And um, so if you're looking for a box cereal that is on the better side, that's the one that I know of. I'm sure there's lots more. In fact, please tell me, guys. I would love to hear from you. Let me know ones you've researched that really are on the healthier side because I would love to have more to add to my list. But that's the one that I know of that I personally really like. Of course, granola is fantastic for breakfast, but be careful. If you're like I used to be, you think that, well, granola is a healthier choice than cereal. Not necessarily the case. Most store-bought granola is loaded with way more sugar than they need it. I mean, it doesn't need to have that much sugar to be good. And unfortunately, if you look at the list, there's so many things that you can't pronounce in most store-bought granola. Um, And of course, you know the secret, everybody knows this, I'm sure, that they divide up their sugars so it doesn't look like sugar is the first ingredient. But when you look at the high fructose corn syrup and the other um, cane juice or molasses or whatever, they, they have it loaded with sugar. So if you make your own granola, on the other hand, you know every single ingredient in it, right? You can minimize the sugar and yet make sure there's enough that it tastes good, that everybody likes it. And um, you can make it taste exactly the way your family likes it. So I'm a firm believer of making your own granola. And it's good then as a snack. I personally love it for yogurt. That's how I use my granola the most. But it's also really good to add milk and use it as cereal. Um, I'm thinking I should give you my recipe. Let me, I think I have it 
I had it pulled open earlier. Let me look. Um, okay, here it is. I, I of course use maple syrup as the sugar in it, but you can of course vary that. Uh, I have four cups of old fashioned rolled oats, one and a half cups of any sort of nuts or seeds that you would like to use like sunflower seeds or walnut pieces or honey roasted peanuts, you know, whatever you want to put in there, a cup and a half of that, a teaspoon of sea salt, half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a half a cup of oil. I use avocado oil, a half a cup of maple syrup, a teaspoon of vanilla extract and two thirds cup of dried fruit. If they're pretty large pieces, I do chop them up because I like them to be rather small mixed in the oatmeal. Uh, I love mangoes in it. I love dried strawberries. I love blueberries. Cranberries are good. You know what kind of dried fruits your family would love. So you know what would be best to put in there. I will tell you, if you would like to know how to dehydrate your own fruits, that is a game changer. And I actually just last week finished up a totally free resource that you can dive into. I will send you one email a day for I think it's six days, giving you nuggets and bits of daily information that by the end of it, you will know pretty much everything needed to know about dehydrating food. And before you know it, you'll be dehydrating your own fruit to put in your granola. It's so good, guys. Go to solelyrested.com slash dehydrate, and you can jump into that free resource, solelyrested.com slash dehydrate. Okay, once you gather your ingredients for the oatmeal, you want to preheat the oven to 350 and put some parchment paper on a cookie tray and combine those first four ingredients, the rolled oats, the nuts or seeds, the salt, and the cinnamon. After you've blended them well, then you want to stir in your oil and your syrup and your vanilla. Mix that really well and pour it out on your tray. It's really that simple. Spread it out in an even layer. Bake it until it's just slightly golden, like maybe 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. And usually halfway through, I'll stir it up just to make sure it all gets nice and done. And then you just let the granola cool. You you do want it to cool completely before you store it away. And that is the step that gets it a little crispier, which is how we like it. And then at that point, once it's cooled, you add in your dried fruit, mix that up well and store it. And I will put a link to that recipe in the show notes as well. So let's move on to lunch, which of course you can have any of those things I just said for lunch too, but let's think about lunch specifically. Um, I will say up front, I don't have to pack lunches at all. I've never had to pack lunches. That's not true. That's not true. Until we moved here and Bill opened his own shop in town, I would pack his lunch. But the past many years, since he's been a local shop owner, I can I can walk to his shop. In fact, in the mornings, I do walk back with Bixby from his shop to home. Um, I don't walk to take him lunch because that just wouldn't be convenient. But anyway, I usually take him leftovers for lunch, so I don't really pack a lunch for him. And I've homeschooled the girls for 20 years, so I never had to pack a lunch for my daughters. Um, Of course, we would pack picnics occasionally, but I never on a regular basis had that packing lunch effort. So I can only imagine that that can be overwhelming, I'm sure, at times, especially if you're packing it for a lot of people. So if you have any tips in that area, please message me about that. I would love to hear thoughts on that. For me, lunch is all about leftovers very often. Um, 
not only when I'm taking it to Bill, but also for myself, for the girls. Of course, it's just common sense that when you're making a big meal, if you can make extra and put it away and pull that out for lunch in the days ahead, it just makes things so much easier. And there are certain things that for us seem more lunch worthy, if you know what I mean. And then other things we will have leftovers for dinner to make dinner easier too. So leftovers are great for lunch and dinner for sure. I will tell you my favorite thing to make for lunch that tends to just take a few minutes that I have at least once, if not many times a week, I will take bacon out of the fridge. So it's thawed bacon, but it's not cooked yet. And just put a few pieces of that in my cast iron skillet. I use a medium skillet and my bacon's long. So I do just rip them in half and put them in the skillet in just a few minutes. They're done. But that gives me the wonderful bacon grease, nice and hot in the skillet that I can then add a few sausage patties to those I've already cooked. Whenever I cook sausage, I'll cook extra and stick it in the fridge for the week. So since it's already cooked, I can just lay that in the warm bacon grease, turn it over a few times. It's done in no time. I've already mentioned this though. Sorry. (laughs) And, um, can you tell I really love sausage and eggs? (laughs) Um, and then if I have hash browns left over, I can lay them right there in the warm grease too. flip them. They're done in a few minutes. And then I still have the grease there to cook my eggs and literally four or five minutes from beginning to end, I usually will fry some pepper and onion in my skillet before I add the egg because that just gives wonderful taste to the egg and some extra vegetables of course um and then if I have some sourdough English muffins or some bagels something like that I will be toasting them while I'm cooking up the eggs and it's just an amazing warm lunch that at the most might take seven or eight minutes you know to put it all together but it's so good but at the Totally different topic now, but I will add these to my eggs, so maybe it's not a different topic. A really super easy way to have fresh food all the time for lunch, even in January, which is a really big deal here in New England, I grow sprouts. I will grow them throughout the winter. Now that spring is here, I'm growing less just because I'm feeling like it's, I don't know, time to have outdoor food, even though the garden is not planted yet. But Um, definitely all winter long, I will grow sprouts and it's so easy. And I have that fresh fruit available. Did I say fruit? I think I said fruit, fresh food. (laughs) Um, and I love it on my egg sandwiches. I love it on any sandwich. And I, I really like, um, some canned chicken with avocado instead of mayonnaise, and then add my sprouts and put that on sourdough toast that's another big favorite of mine. But I actually I have a course all about sprouts too. I don't know if I've told you guys that solelyrested.com slash sprouts. And it breaks down my favorite ones to grow and how I grow them and how very easy it is. So that's a super convenient way to have fresh nutrients that you can eat every day. Okay, what about dinner? That's the biggie, right? Is there any way to make dinner convenient? Um, certain nights of the week, I think every family needs dinner to be super easy. And that's definitely the night for leftovers or for those really easy meals. Surely you have some, right? For me, um, spaghetti is super easy that everybody loves. 
Uh, I do have frozen meatballs that I will often, if I have the few extra minutes, cook the meatballs too, and that makes the spaghetti even better. By the way, that is something that I don't think people realize how easy it is to make homemade meatballs. Uh, I was going to say I'll leave my link for my recipe in the show notes, but I don't think I've published that recipe on the blog. Hmm, I think I should get that done. Uh, What else? Spaghetti, um, pancakes, excuse me. Obviously breakfast is something that we love around here, pancakes. So they can be so easy, right guys? They're not that hard and they're delicious for, for dinner. Who doesn't want a breakfast dinner? We really love buttermilk pancakes and we love um, sourdough pancakes. By the way, if you don't have buttermilk, do you know that's okay? All you have to do is mix your milk and vinegar and let it sit for a few minutes and voila, you can have buttermilk pancakes. Oh, and French toast. If you have extra bread, stale bread. Um, Oh, and if you have a surplus of eggs, we have French toast often when we seem to have eggs running out of our ears. Um, I can leave my French toast recipe in the show notes and I will do that. And what else is a really, oh, souffle is a really easy dinner. That's one of those recipes that I don't even have to look up. I've made this since I first got married. It's one of Bill's favorites. It's super easy. I always have the ingredients on hand for this. And by the way, that's another big thing. When you figure out those few meals, whatever it is, if it's pancakes, spaghetti, and souffle, then make sure those are the ingredients you always have on hand. It's just imperative. You know, when you're going to the store, check, do I have those particular ingredients for those three meals always on hand? Are they in the pantry? Are they available? If not, do I need to buy something? And also, if you haven't yet downloaded my pantry list, my checklist, that's something that will help you with this endeavor. Go to solelyrested.com slash pantry and get that checklist. Solelyrested.com slash pantry. Okay, back to the souffle recipe. You need four pieces of bread. I know the bread's always different sizes. Don't worry. You really cannot mess this recipe up. Four to five to six recipe or pieces of bread. You're good. Four pieces of bread. It's easy to remember four because there's so many. It's either four or two with this recipe. Four pieces of bread four eggs, two cups of cheese, and two cups of milk. You break up the bread in a pie plate until, you know, like cube it. Uh, You don't have to be particular, just rip it. And put your two cups of cheese on top of that. And then in a bowl, mix your two cups of milk and your four eggs. Don't mix them a whole lot, just mix them enough that they're combined. And then pour that over top of the cheese, cover it, and stick it in the fridge anywhere for four hours to overnight. Then you want to cook it at 350 for about 40, 45 minutes. And it puffs up beautifully. It does deflate within maybe five minutes of taking it out of the oven. So time it just right if you have guests because it's so impressive to pull this big puffy souffle out of the oven before you see it flop. (laughs) Um, It's just it's just super good. And it's so so easy. So That's one of those go-to recipes that I will do. And even though I just told you, let it sit for four hours, I have definitely made it having sat for only 15 minutes and it's still pretty doggone good. So um, pizza is a big, big, huge favorite in this house. 
We try to have it every Friday night. That's another good thing that makes dinner convenient. If you have a certain night of the week that you always just know, this night we're having this meal and it's just easier because you know what to expect. You always have the ingredients on hand. You have the time set aside because you you know what you're going to be doing that night. Anyway, uh, I will often make double pizza dough because then I can keep it in the fridge for a whole week, take it out a week later, and that saves me the time of making the dough. It's like all you got to do is flatten it out on the tray, add your cheese, well, your sauce, and then your cheese, (laughs) whatever toppings you want, and put it in the oven. Like it's that simple. I'm not kidding. If you have the dough already made, it is easier for me than walking out to my back hall that leads to my barn going through the freezer to find a frozen pizza, bringing it in, opening the box, cutting open the plastic, finding the right tray to put it in. Like, I'm not kidding. That takes as long as homemade pizza if I have the dough made. And even if you don't have the dough made, that's just a matter of having time for it to sit um, like half an hour before you actually flatten it out. But mixing the ingredients, that's not hard or time consuming either. So if you don't already make homemade pizza, trust me, it's not hard really consider doing it and the kids have always loved it also an air fryer is really big around here for keeping dinner easy i think i mentioned an air fryer in my goodness now i'm wondering did i mention an air fr- i did right in my last episode <laughs> about the 12 appliances that help keep food convenient um, air fryer makes it really easy to heat up things like pancakes or even steak For steak, I will put a little bit of butter, a little dab of butter on top of each chunk of steak that's heating up and that helps it not dry out. And I think I'll wait until we get to the side. I'm gonna talk about sides in a second and then I'll explain to you my favorite thing to do with the air fryer. Also, whenever I can, if I'm making things like a casserole or lasagna, if I can, if I can set aside an extra 15 minutes maybe, maybe it's not even that long really that it takes, I'll make four of them and put them in the freezer. So, you know, you only have to get out all those ingredients and prep the kitchen and cook the noodles once, right? And then you just need the extra time to assemble the three other dishes worth of your lasagna or whatever it is you're making. So that definitely makes dinner more convenient. Also, whenever I can, I prepare just even parts of tomorrow's meal today or maybe even the meal on Thursday I'll prepare on Monday if I can. One example I can think of off the top of my head is uh, pepper steak, so good, not hard to make. That's another recipe I don't have on the blog. So many things I wanna get on there. Um, But pepper steak is a favorite around here. It's so easy. And if we're having steak, we almost always have leftovers. So right then and there, when the meal's over, I'll take a few minutes to slice thinly whatever steak is left. And then I will just wrap it up and I have a freezer bag already labeled, this is pepper steak, and I'll add that meal's worth to the freezer bag because it's not often that I have enough at the end of the meal to make a whole nother meal of pepper steak. So I'll just add it up in there and when I notice it's getting enough in that bag to make a pepper steak meal, I go, oh, that's what we're having tomorrow night. But just that very simple thing of slicing it ahead of time, it seems to make it so much easier when you go to prepare the meal that all the meat is already sliced and ready to cook. I also will do that with Kung Pao, another big favorite. 
for dinner around here. Um, when I used to, before we raised our own meat chickens, I used to buy chicken breast in bulk at a few different local stores that had good quality chicken breast. And depending on where I got it, sometimes I would get very frustrated because they would wrap it with like the fat underneath, you know, do you guys know how stores do that? Kind of drives me crazy sometimes. So I got to the point that I did learn one particular store never did that. Their prices were a little bit higher, but it was worth it to me. But um, if I did get the bulk chicken that had that fat wrapped underneath of it, usually attached to this piece of fat that needed to be cut off and thrown away. Although if you have chickens, I cook that fat and I feed it to them and they love it. Um, it's just extra protein, good stuff for them. Anyway, if you take the, there's usually an extra piece of chicken. I'm sitting here showing you this with my, (laughs) with my hands, like that helps. Um, but you know, a little piece, maybe a few inches long and an inch wide attached to that fat. That's perfectly good meat, but you know, who wants a tiny little bite of chicken? What are you going to do with that? Well, I learned long ago that it's perfect for Kung Pao. So anytime there's little pieces of chicken like that attached to the fat, while I'll throw the fat away, I will keep that little piece of chicken. And it adds up. If you have a big bulk, maybe five pound package of chicken, (laughs) I'm showing you how big the package is, um, you can have quite a few of those little pieces. And if you've done that a few times in a month, you have enough chicken for a whole Kung Pao meal just from those little pieces of chicken that normally you're like, eh, what do I do with this? And you throw it away with the fat. So it saves you money. And it makes it so easy then when it's time to go make the Kung Pao, like the hardest, most time consuming thing about making Kung Pao is cutting the ingredients. If the chicken is already cut into the right sizes and ready, that shaves so much time off of the meal prep. Okay, let's move on to sides. How can you keep sides for your dinners easy? A favorite side around here is basmati. I think that's how you pronounce it, basmati, rice. I talked in season three. It was, let me look, episode six in season three. I talked about six swaps that I learned to make that make meals more real food and healthier. And one of them is basmati rice versus the regular plain old minute rice. So I talked about that. Go back and check out that episode if you'd like to know more. But it really is not difficult. You know, people think minute rice is so simple and it's so much easier than other rice. It's really not that much easier. It is a matter of instead of having five minutes, you need to allow yourself at least 15 minutes from when you think about the rice until it's on the table. So you add another 10 minutes to your thought time, but the actual cooking time, it takes no more effort from you at all. So that's a big one for us. Um, Oh, the air fryer thing that I wanted to tell you, potatoes. Potatoes are very popular with a few people in my family and potato wedges are always a hit and they're so easy with the air fryer. I leave the skin on. I will take, it does take a few minutes to clean them and cut them. I cut them just into wedges though. So I make it really easy. You could do it as fries if you wanted, but wedges are so much faster for me. And then I will just, toss them all into a bowl, drizzle some oil. I use avocado oil over top, sprinkle on some seasoning. My favorite is Redmond's garlic pepper. 
I fell in love with that a few years ago, and it is a staple in my kitchen. It's really good on potato wedges, though. I will leave a link. I'm writing myself a note. I will leave a link to what I'm talking about and a coupon code for you as well in the show notes. Anyway, you drizzle the oil on, sprinkle on the seasoning, however much your family would like. Take a second to mix it up and then spread it out on your air fryer trays and bake it at 375 in the air fryer for 15 minutes. So either way, whether it's basmati rice or the potato wedges, they take 15 minutes. That's it. That's not bad. You just have to get in the habit of thinking about the side when you first go to start the main dish. And then you have enough time and it's not complicated. Also canned veggies from the garden. You know, of course they did take time on that summer day, but we all have a little more time in the summer, right? So it takes time, of course, to grow them, to pick them and to can them. But man, is it nice on a cold February night when you're having steak and potatoes to go grab at the last minute. I mean, five minutes before I'm serving the meal, I can go grab out of my root cellar a jar of green beans from last summer's garden and then be on the table in five minutes. I mean, it doesn't get more convenient than that and it doesn't get more real food than that. So I highly recommend if you don't grow or can vegetables and you have the availability to, to really consider doing that this summer. You still have time to get that garden planted, to get those seeds at True Leaf. Remember, go to solelyrested.com slash seeds and you can do this. And believe me, in February with that steak dinner, when you pull out those green beans, you will be so glad you put the effort in this summer. Now, last but not least, let's talk about snacks. How do we keep snacks, real food, and convenient? I personally, my favorite snack is just to grab a little plate. Actually, my daughter taught me this a while back to grab a plate and to fill it with a variety of things that are real food that are good for me. In fact, you know what? Sometimes it's not even necessarily overly good for me because I will put chocolate chips on there. But you know, if you're getting the right chocolate chips, chocolate is good. Dark chocolate, it's good. But I will just put different things on it. That way I have variety every day. And it's nice for that like two o'clock, three o'clock time when you're like, you know, I really need something good to eat, but it's not time for dinner yet. I will try to always have some sort of fruit. If I don't have fresh fruit, I always have dehydrated fruit. Oh, by the way, I did tell you, right? I did. I'm going to remind you though. Go to solelyrested.com slash dehydrate to learn all about how you can dehydrate your own food. And that, that free course does walk you through options that don't even include a dehydrator. If you don't have a hydrator, that's okay. You want to get this information, solelyrested.com slash dehydrate. So that's what I love about having dehydrated fruit always available is that for that afternoon snack, if I don't have fresh fruit, I still have fruit available and it's so good. Uh, some kind of a nut is really good on my plate for my snack, like pumpkin seeds are a favorite. Of course, cashews are really a favorite. And some sort of cheese is almost always there, just a few chunks of cheese. Crackers are always good. And like I said, chocolate's always good. (laughs) But I will tell you just a little tip. If you're having fruit for that afternoon snack, if you compare it with some sort of a fat or a protein, that's gonna slow down that glucose absorption, that sugar high that you're gonna get. And it's going to help the the glucose spike not be a spike and you know spread out, give you more energy in the hours ahead leading up to dinner. 
Um, what else? I'm looking at my notes. Oh, AirPod popcorn. I've talked about that. I know many times. I mentioned that I think in the last episode because I'm an air popper was on my list of 12 um, appliances that I think make real food really convenient, even though I don't know if that's really an appliance, but that's what I called it. <laughs> but AirPod popcorn is my absolute favorite snack. It, it has been for a decade now. It's good for you. It's a natural grain. Actually, I think it was also mentioned in my six swap episode because I love popcorn. Um, I'm going to leave a link. I'm, so many links. I'm writing this down too, to my favorite popcorn, because this is such a good popcorn. It is from Azure Standard and it is even high in antioxidants. It's a multicolored popcorn. It's as pretty as it is nutritious. And I have it often. I have it sitting right on my kitchen counter in this tall half gallon mason jar because it's so pretty and then it's always available to me to grab. Now as for seasoning, I will use nutritional yeast and salt is my usual go-to, but I also really love Old Bay seasoning. And with either of those, I will just use a little bit of avocado oil to, you know, get the seasoning to stick well to the popcorn. Um, oh, and protein powder is also a favorite around here because it's just such a nice afternoon, you know, protein kick to, to enjoy like a protein shake. Or instead of a protein shake, you can get a tablespoon of peanut butter and mix it with just a scoop of protein powder and a little bit of water, maybe like two tablespoons of water, mix it up and you have an amazing chocolate dip that is so good to dip your apple slices in for your afternoon snack, highly recommend. By the way, apples, you know, they're a prebiotic and they're they're feeding the good bacteria in your gut and they're helping your immune system and they're increasing your mood. So that is a really good snack that has no guilt attached to it that I will have sometimes. Also, since we're talking about protein powder, this isn't really a snack per se. Well, I mean, it's a dessert. If you're making anything baked goods like brownies or cookies, even if you're like, even in your waffles or your pancakes, you can substitute protein powder for some of the flour in your recipe. Just take out one third cup of flour from your usual recipe and add in one scoop of your protein powder. And that's just another way to boost the protein and make that dessert or snack just a little better for you. So there you have it. That's everything on my list. Like I said, I know there's 18 things I'll think of when I hit the stop record button, but hopefully that was enough to get you started. Hopefully there was at least a few tidbits in there that you're going to pack away and take with you. And it's going to change, maybe even revolutionize, I hope, one of your meals going forward. So... I hope that you will join me next episode. We're going to talk about the the overwhelm factor. You know, I know, I, I will admit it, guys. I sometimes feel overwhelmed too. And first of all, I don't know if this will be part of the episode, but I'll tell you right now, sometimes we do grab a frozen pizza out of the freezer in the back hall. We do. And that's okay. So don't ever let the overwhelm give you horrible guilt because trust me, you're working hard, you're improving the nutrition quality of your family's meals. I know you are. I mean, you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't. 
So it's okay that sometimes the nutrition quality isn't there. It really is okay. And if you can not let yourself feel guilt over it, you're more likely to just get started again the next day with something a little healthier, right? Um, But in addition to that, there really are simple ways, simple tips that will help you kind of eliminate, never entirely, but sort of eliminate that feeling of overwhelm when it comes to food. I know guys, as mom, it's a big deal that we are the one that all the eyes are looking at at 4.30 going, I'm hungry, what's for dinner, right? And we're also the one who maybe doesn't have a clue in our head what's for dinner at 4.30. (laughs) So it can be overwhelming. And we're going to talk next episode about ways to avoid that overwhelm feeling and to really truly incorporate more real food into your family's diet without the overwhelm. So I hope you join me for that. And of course, part of that starts with a pantry checklist that I've been talking about every episode. Go to solelyrested.com slash pantry to get your free download to help you with that. And I would absolutely love to hear from you, your favorite tips of like an easy meal that's your go-to when it's five o'clock and you need to throw something together. If you have one of those easy meals, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message over on Instagram. That's usually the fastest, easiest, quickest way to connect with me. And I would love, I'd love to know. And, oh, and lunches. If you have some easy packed lunches tips, I would love to do a whole episode about that because I would love to learn more about that. Like I said, it's not an area I know a lot about. So send me your tips, please. And I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. And remember, guys, it is easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it is a good 